Hello, and welcome to Quick Charge by Electrek. I'm Mikey G, and it's Monday, January 16th. Tesla has sneakily downgraded their performance brakes on the Model Y performance trim, and even put a cover to hide the change. The performance trim has a few upgrades, including faster acceleration, higher top speed, and bigger wheels. All those upgrades would necessitate better stopping power, one would hope. Until now, Tesla has included Brembo brakes with thicker rotors, venting features, and, of course, different pads. The calipers were painted red in an unmistakable point of flare. However, we now learn that Tesla has downgraded the brakes and literally covered it up with a red cap with a Tesla logo. Instead of brand name Brembo brakes, Tesla is now using some called Mando. ZEV Centric, a company that is brake experts, believes that this is a significant downgrade and that Tesla should indeed provide those brakes since the changes were not indicated on Tesla's Model Y configurator on the website. Tesla has been spotted assembling its giant new casting machine for Cybertruck production at Gigafactory Texas. Tesla's investment in larger casting parts have been extremely successful so far. The automaker managed to produce the Model Y with a single rear body piece that replaced 70 different parts on the vehicle. And they're doing the same thing with the front underbody. Over the last few months, Tesla has been spotted getting deliveries of parts for this massive press, and now Tesla has been spotted assembling those sections of the machine. There are a lot of eyes on Cybertruck production, and an update on production versions of the final specs has been expected for the past year. However, Tesla has been staying quiet. In its communications, Tesla has stuck to its mid-2023 timeline over the last few months. According to a new report, Ford expects to develop its own in-house platform, shifting from its previous reliance with Volkswagen. Ford partnered with Volkswagen back in 2020 to use the German automaker's modular electric drive matrix platform called the MEB platform. They launched several vehicles in Europe. However, it seems that the collaboration is short-lived. According to a new report from the Financial Times, Ford is moving away from Volkswagen. Martin Sander, Ford's head of electric vehicles in Europe, seemed a little critical to me when he said of Volkswagen, quote, no kind of integration is very versatile, very capable. Well, Ford is building its own EV platform, and it makes a lot of sense to remain competitive with Tesla or General Motors, both of which have their own electric vehicle systems. Ford CEO Jim Farley told reporters that Ford is, quote, going back to our Model A, and this was in reference to building its own components and bringing production back. In a historical note, I'm not exactly sure how much of the Model A was really relevant in building their own parts. I wonder if Ford made their own carriage parts after the Model A and with the Model T they did not. I'm not exactly sure. If you are a Model A historian or Model T historian, feel free to let me know in the comment section on YouTube. Volvo released a fresh batch of upgrades across its electric vehicle lineup as the new C40 and XC40 Recharge feature longer range, more power, faster charging, rear-wheel drive variants, and more. Javier Valera, which is Volvo's COO, said that the new C40 and XC40 updates would help propel the company forward with attractive new offerings. In addition, Volvo developed the second-generation electric motor powering the rear axles in-house, another first for the company. Volvo has committed to going 100% electric by 2030, with an intermittent target of sales volume to 50% electric by 2025. Volvo's total EV share recently crossed 10% of sales. Chinese EV automaker Xpeng Motors has shared plans for four service and delivery centers coming to the next few months of Europe. 
coming in the next few months to Europe. That's right. With the start of sales in three additional countries scheduled for this quarter, Xpeng is implementing the proper network to support them. Xpeng customers in Norway, the Netherlands, Sweden, and Denmark will be able to take advantage of service agreements with their EV purchase that includes an eight-year warranty for their respective vehicle's battery. These services, as well as tire storage, will soon be available at upcoming service centers, and drivers will be able to track their vehicle status using the automaker's app. In addition to these locations, the automaker already shared intentions to open a number of other authorized service locations. During our time in Las Vegas for the CES trade show, Electrek got the chance to visit with Halo.car, an EV mobility solutions provider that specializes in rental cars, dropped off and picked up using remote pilots. Halo.car is a relatively young startup focused on much of the same segments as nascent technologies that others have, but its approach is very different. Rather than developing yet another car share program that requires designated parking areas for customers to pick up and return, Halo.car will drop off and pick up the vehicle wherever it stands. The process will eventually enable a remote pilot to drive the rental car to a patron and unlock it, allowing entry and control to drive away. To begin, we rode in a car and watched the separate EV depart from Halo.car headquarters without anyone present inside the vehicle. Someday it might be a very accustomed sight, but for now it's still a little surreal to see a car driving without anybody inside. After driving a few blocks, both EVs pulled over so that we could get into the car that we pretended reached a lonely driver standing on the road. Since we had nowhere to go, we just sat in the car and let it be remotely driven back to headquarters. It was a bit like experiencing self-driving for the first time, but much less intimidating. The current Halo.car fleet is about 15 Kia Nero EVs, but the company is already planning to ramp up, especially now that car share service is up and running in Las Vegas. All right, buckle up for today's community comment found on YouTube, because in response to my used EV buying tips from last Saturday, a channel called Single Speed says, also make sure the used EV you're looking at was not a flood or wreck rebuild. Yes, those are also very good points, Single Speed. For some reason, a friend of mine checks to see if the car is good by opening up the ashtray and checking the radio. Maybe those things are important to him, but the drivetrain and interior condition leave much more telling clues, so... Most of my advice is actually centered around the EV aspect of used cars from last time, but as a matter of fact, I used to work at a dealership, also a mechanic shop, and a tire shop more than once in my life, so I've got a few more used car buying advice tips. So yes, of course, check the title to see if it was a rebuild. Sometimes dealers hide this or straight up don't tell people, even though they are legally required to do so. The paperwork should have it on there. So here's another tip. If you're buying from a dealer, I would not expect the salesperson to know anything about electric vehicles. There is a likelihood that they will say any range of number for driving range that comes to mind and any charge time that sounds reasonable. You can actually test this by asking them a question that doesn't expose whether it's a good or bad statistic. For example, you can ask if the car charges fast and they will undoubtedly say yes. Then you can ask how often the car was charged fast and they will follow up the lead by saying all the time not really knowing that that's actually a bad admission. Chances are they don't know the car's history statistics anyway, so don't take it as a sign of the car, mostly a sign that they'll say anything to get the sale. Another tip is if you're buying from the public, you can look for signs of animals or children. Either one of these are really bad for a car's interior, but not a deal breaker all by itself. 
Animals leave hair and often scratches on the rear door handles. The smell of animals can sometimes be masked by obtuse perfumes and deodorizers, but it all comes back after it's worn off. Signs of children include scratches and wear on the backside of the driver or passenger seat, or if you're brave enough to pull up the padding on the rear seat, you might find some Legos or mummified french fries. Kids unquestionably come with stains on the interior, which can be masked by a deep clean, but similar to the deodorizer, they come back. Spotting these may help you negotiate a better price, by the way. Another tip is to actually feel the brakes, or rather, feel how they perform. When test driving the car, turn off the regenerative braking if it has it, and slowly press on the brake pedal. With even tension from your foot, try and sense if the brakes have a large uneven spot. This will be felt with the car, provided you have a steady foot, when the car feels like it's lurching from the brakes being evenly applied. This is a sign that the previous driver slammed on the brakes too often and has caused the rotors to have a warped spot on the disc. Another good tip is to don't let a cheap fix stop you from a good deal. Some people leave a good deal thinking that they are very prudent only because the car has a scratch or two. It is a used car market after all, and this is why you're not paying full MSRP. If someone spilled coffee on a white interior, it's not hard to live with or just replace the seat if you have to. Also, some things just plain old break. It's common for sunroofs to break in any car in any year, it seems like. They're just problematic in my experience. If you're willing to forget about these issues or fix them on the cheap, you might find a great deal for getting from A to B. Another big tip is for negotiations. When you're buying a car directly from an owner, don't push them around in negotiations as if your ego is on the line. You're going into the situation as equals and you will leave as equals in either event, really. If the car is out of your budget, you shouldn't waste their time by going to look at it. It's normal to ask if they'd take a little bit off the price, but the likelihood is that they need to get out of the car payment and they can't take much less than the listing that they had written up. If you can't afford a car without dominating over them and making them capitulate, then you're probably not going to like the car and you're especially not going to like the payment anyway because it's going to be close to the threshold that you could support. When you buy a car in the right way, you conclude by saying thank you and they say thank you also, and that's the way that it should be. So don't be a bull in negotiations when it's person to person. Buying from a dealer is a very different situation though, regarding negotiations, of course. If you have a car to get rid of, I would highly advise selling it first on the classifieds before you go in. You'll get more money out of that car, guaranteed. This will go much farther when you buy the new car. If you get a flyer in the mailbox that says, we want your used car, or we have low inventory of your Toyota Camry or whatever, this is an absolute lie. Dealers buy these pre-made campaigns from marketing companies and a lot of times they don't even know what's on them. Anyways, when you get to the dealer with a comfortable amount of money in your bank account from the previous car sale, you can now spend all of your time talking about the price of the car. Dealers are often trained to redirect the conversation and ask you financial questions. They act like they're so concerned about you. They pull out a paper and pen and write down a bunch of numbers, bringing up painful memories of tax season, but don't be deterred. Only talk about the final price of the car and nothing else. Especially with the salesman, don't talk about monthly payment. Don't even say it once because they'll hinge on this number as if your family's honor is on the line. When the price of the car is agreed upon with the salesman and nothing else, <laughs> it's pretty much smooth sailing from there. After talking to the salesman and maybe a real or fake boss, You've got to talk to the person that actually fills out the paperwork. This usually isn't hard because they've already been told by the other people on the job that you drive a hard bargain. 
On top of the actual monthly payment, the finance person will ask you if you want to purchase extra warranty coverage, special protector spray on your seat, or whatever. You're entitled to say no and kindly tell them that you are busy and you have things to do. After this, you can take your car and your keys and say thank you and be on your way. Some car dealerships say that you have to have a loan with them or their preferred bank. That's not legally true, but if it gets in the way of a better price on the final car, or sorry, final price on the car, they do control that, so you may want to consider going with their bank. One thing to note is that you are not financially obligated to hold the debt with that initial creditor for any length of time. Sometimes dealers say that you have to keep that creditor for six months or something, but they say this because it gets them a better commission. If you can find a better interest rate somewhere else, you can take that debt to a different creditor anytime you want. You should read the fine print though, because you may have to pay an additional fee with the new creditor. But really, it's very likely that you're not going to care because you're gonna be excited about your new car. Even more excited than you didn't get raked over the coals regarding the final price. So this covers all the highlights of my experienced advice on buying a used car. The only thing left out was the finer points of negotiation, but really just come in educated and respectful and you'll do great. So thanks for watching Quick Charge by Electrek. I'm Mikey G and I hope you have a great car.